0: Are you glad you're here now? Do you have some uh, fun plans this week with your family celebrating the fourth and Independence Day? Three of you do, is that all? (laughs) I hope you have a great time. I'll be praying for you, invite you to pray for me and Monisa. We'll be flying to Italy on Thursday, and this will be the first time I've celebrated the fourth in a foreign country. So I'll be in Italy on July 4th, and um, looking forward to that trip. As most of you know, our daughter, uh, her husband is in the Air Force and they're stationed at Aviano Air Force Base in northern Italy and just any, any time now our second grandchild is being born so we're looking forward to being with them and that grandbaby and seeing some of the tour sites as well. So pray for us. By the way, I want you to follow me because I'll be posting photographs and other things on Instagram and on the blog. There's information in the bulletin today about that. I need a bunch of followers, okay, because I don't look like I have many right now, okay? So I feel lonely. I need a whole bunch of followers, okay? Follow me on Instagram and if you don't have it, download it and uh, start following I'll keep you updated. I'm sure I'll post a few pictures of that grandbaby when we see her as well. Now one of the things I do when I travel is I, especially in the summer, I wear t-shirts and I like t-shirts that say something. I don't like just blank ones. You know, that's just working work in the yard and get dirty. But when you travel, you want to say something. So one of the T-shirts I'll be taking with me to Italy because, you know, you need to know who you are and be proud of it. And so this is one of the T-shirts I'll be taking and wearing in Italy. Yeah. I'll wear my colors. Now, I have to also tell you, and, and for those of you who know me well, this one won't surprise you, but I'm also going to be wearing this T-shirt over there in Italy. Yeah. Go Big Blue. Yeah. I'm going to wear this in Rome. <laughs> But another T-shirt that I'll wear that shows my colors is this one, and it says, My lifeguard Walks on Water. <laughs> the thing is, I know who I am. I'm an American. I'm a big Kentucky Wildcat fan, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of either one of those. And you need to know who you are. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to own that and not be ashamed of it. You need to be willing for the world to know that you love Him with all your heart and never, ever be ashamed. So today, I want to talk about the relationship that exists between freedom and courage. Freedom and... And courage. See, in in this nation, we have the freedom to live for Jesus with very little that we need to fear. But we're not always courageous, we're not always bold in our faith. See, the relationship between freedom and courage is such that there is no freedom without courage. And without courage, we won't do the right thing with the freedom that we may actually have. And so I'm going to talk about that relationship, freedom and courage. How much do you know about the pilgrims who came to America nearly 400 years ago on the Mayflower? There were 102 on that ship. Do you know who they really were, what they really stood for, what they were really about? In England at the time where they lived, it was illegal to be a part of any church other than the Church of England. If you tried to express your Christian faith, your following of Jesus Christ in any way, other than being a part of the Anglican church, you were persecuted, you were fined, you were put in jail. It was a hard time. And what was happening was that for the very first time in history, the average person could have a copy of God's Word in their own hand and read it for themselves because the Bible had recently been translated into English and Gutenberg a century before had invented the printing press and now the Bible in their language was being mass produced and and people would sit in their homes they would would read a copy of God's Word the first time in history. And, And as they read Scripture and looked at what God said, in it, and then they looked at their culture, and they looked at the Anglican church at that moment in history. They said there's a disconnect, and, and the church isn't right, and they wanted to fix it. And so they set about trying to fix the Anglican church from within, doing what they quote-unquote called purify it. And thus they came to be known as the Puritans. Over time, some of them gave up hope. They said the church will never change. And so they pulled out of the church. They separated from the church and formed what we today would call house churches and house groups. And they were persecuted. Life was hard. One of those house churches, one of those separatist groups, eventually became the very first Baptist church in the early 1600s in London. Another of those separatist groups that formed a house church boarded the Mayflower and sailed to America as the Pilgrims, looking for a place where they could worship Jesus Christ the way they wanted without fear of persecution, without fear of being fined, without fear of being thrown in jail. And it took courage for them to do that. Imagine leaving your family never to see them again. Imagine leaving your homeland never to see it again. Imagine sailing on a small ship across dangerous waters to a place you've never seen and know very little about, a place where you're going to make a new life, but it'll be a hard life. That's how much they wanted freedom. There's never been freedom without courage. The courage to make the right decisions, the courage to do the right thing, even when it's the hard thing. Courage and freedom go together. And the very beginning of this nation, the very beginning, is built on the foundation of people who wanted freedom, especially the freedom to worship Jesus the way they wanted to without anybody giving them trouble because of it. So today, for a few moments, I want to talk about freedom and courage. I want us to to, to look at freedom's past, at freedom yesterday, and also think about freedom in our time, freedom in this day. In 1776, when those delegates gathered in Philadelphia at the Second Continental Congress voted final approval of what we today call the Declaration of Independence. They were doing something courageous because what they did was a crime. And when they publicly read the Declaration for the first time in the streets of Philadelphia, there was shouting, cannons fired, and church bells rang into the night. But the British said you're committing a crime. The first battle of the American Revolution was at Lexington and then later that day Concord. And the story, the Battle of Lexington, is that the British knew this fever for independence was growing and they wanted to squash it by arresting and persecuting its leaders and... So the British Army in Boston determined they would go to Lexington early one morning and arrest Sam Adams and John Hancock, two of the colonial leaders, but the colonists got word of what was up. And so they summoned the American militia, and 70 men gathered early that morning in Lexington facing hundreds of British soldiers, and they lost that battle. The British advanced toward Concord and by then other militia joined the battle and they stopped the advance of the British and the war was on. But what you may not know about that story is that the evening before the Battle of Lexington, Sam Adams and John Hancock, those two patriots, gathered in the home of a preacher because many of the leading proponents of freedom in those days were the preachers in the pulpits of the colonies. They gathered in the home of this prominent preacher in Lexington with other colonial leaders, and they were faced with a decision. Do we run? Do we surrender? Or do we fight? And unanimously that evening, they chose to fight because freedom has never been free. There's always been a price to pay for it. And sometimes it's a demanding price. It's a high price. And when you think about freedom and its past, for us as a people called Americans, those who settled this nation were willing to fight for it. During the American Revolution, 25,000 Americans died. Now, that may not seem like a a lot of people compared to more recent wars. More than 400,000 Americans died in World War II. 25,000 Americans died in the American Revolution. But the population of this country at that time was only 2.5 million people. That means that 1% of the people in America died during the Revolution to win our freedom. To put that in perspective, It would be the same as today, America being in a war and 3 million of us dying. The population of our South Carolina is about 4.7 million. Can you imagine if 3 million of the 4.7 million people in this state died? That three million is more than all the people who live in Iowa, more than all the people who live in Arkansas, more than all the people combined who live in several of our small states. Those who gave us freedom in the beginning of this nation's history paid a very heavy price. They were willing to fight for it, and they were willing to die for it. And in the years since, countless thousands of American soldiers have died. So you could be here today without being afraid. They were willing to fight for it. Soldiers have been willing to die for it. The last major battle of the Second World War in the Pacific was Okinawa. It was also the bloodiest battle in the Pacific. About 14,000 American soldiers died in the fight with Japan. Our soldiers are not buried on that island. They're buried elsewhere. But on Okinawa there is a memorial with stone tablets and on those stone tablets are are, are the names of all those soldiers who died in that battle. And there's a sign which reads, We gave our todays in order that you might have your tomorrows. And the reason I wanted to share with you this brief history lesson, Freedom Yesterday, is that Sometimes we begin taking it for granted because we forget that it wasn't free. It's never been free. It never will be free. And all the critics who think this country is so horrible need to remember that it's these who died so that they could be free to say some really crazy stuff sometimes. Freedom's not free. And we don't need to take it for granted. But what about freedom today? What about us? What about freedom in today's world? You and I in America enjoy so much. But there are many followers of Jesus Christ in this world today whose lives are radically different. The freedom we take for granted is something that they struggle to even imagine because they've never experienced it. I've been asking you for the last several weeks to pray for Miriam Ibrahim, the, the Christian in Sudan who was pregnant with her second child when she was arrested and convicted by an Islamic court of apostasy for simply being a Christian. Sentenced to execution by hanging. Sentenced to be flogged and... She gave birth to her child while in prison. And what you may not know about that birth is she gave birth with chains attached to both her ankles. Now recently, most of you know this, that a higher court overturned the decision to execute her and released her. She, her husband, two children were at the airport seeking to come to America, and they were arrested again. And they've been charged with using the incorrect papers, forged papers, to leave the country. And they were held for 24 hours and only released after someone was willing to be a guarantor that if they left the country, that person would take their punishment. The U.S. Embassy's been helping them and now they're in hiding. They've been released, but they can't leave the country because she's facing another crime, another charge. That's her life as a follower of Christ, but not only her, so many others in that part of the world. Stories whose people whose stories will never be known except in heaven and by their loved ones. And yet in spite of that kind of persecution, in spite of the lack of freedom, the gospel is moving and the church is growing and God is working in some of the hardest places on this planet even more than is happening in free America. In Laos, small village village, In recent months, several families have come to faith in Jesus. Laos is a Buddhist country ruled by a communist dictator. And earlier, just about a week ago, an 80-some-year-old woman who had recently come to faith in Christ, and members of her family had come to faith in Christ, she died. But they would not allow her to be buried in the village cemetery unless her family recanted their faith in Jesus. In fact, they wouldn't allow her to have a Christian funeral, a Christian burial of any kind, and the body was lying there at the house. Time was passing, and you can imagine what was happening. And eventually, the communist soldiers and the Buddhist monks this week entered that house, arrested members of the family, Took her body by force and gave her a Buddhist funeral and a Buddhist burial. And her family members that have been arrested are still under arrest until they recant their faith in Jesus. In recent months in China, 360 Christian churches have been completely or partially destroyed. Earlier this week, as the communist soldiers were lowering the cross from the steeple of one Christian church, members with broken hearts and tears flowing down their face stood on the outside watching that tragic scene and they began to sing a Christian hymn, a Chinese hymn. They began singing, Cross, cross, be my glory forever All my sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Does that sound like followers of Jesus who are intimidated and ashamed to live for Him? Then why are so many of us embarrassed to bow our head at a restaurant and pray? Why are so many of us too embarrassed to talk to a neighbor or a co-worker or a relative about Jesus Christ? Why are so many of us intimidated into compromising our biblical values and convictions when we're at parties and clubs and other events in life? We have freedom. The most someone will do to us is not like us, maybe snicker at us. Freedom and courage go together. It takes courage to win freedom and it takes courage and boldness of faith to do the right thing once you are free. This past Tuesday in Egypt, a 29-year-old Christian was convicted of, of blaspheming Islam and sentenced to six years in prison. You know what he did? He was surfing the web. He was on his computer. And he came across this Christian website. And he liked it. That's all he did. He just, you know, clicked. He liked it. And so he was arrested, accused of blaspheming Islam, and now facing six years in prison convicted by an Islamic court. It made national headlines and world news when those 240 schoolgirls were kidnapped in Nigeria by the radical Islamic group Boko Haram. And for a while it seemed like the world was following it. Now it seems like they're forgotten about. What you may not know is that most of those girls are Christians. And they've been forced to recant their faith in Jesus. They've been physically abused, and some have been sold as child brides to spend a lifetime in sexual slavery. What I'm saying is, you and I are blessed to live in this country, aren't we? Aren't you glad you live here? Are you? do you have the faith? Do you have the boldness? Do you have the courage? Do you have the commitment as a follower of Jesus to do the right thing with the freedom you're thankful to have? Mm. Now I'm going to preach it. Are there those moments you're just a little bit ashamed and so you suck away and don't want anybody to know who you really are. You'll put away the T-shirt that says my lifeguard walks on water. We have the privilege of being free. We have the privilege of suffering very little of any persecution for our faith. And yet my great fear and heartbreak is that as Americans who love Jesus too many times too many of us squander the freedom God has blessed us to have by being embarrassed and intimidated. Is that you? Is that perhaps you? Think back to 9-11, that tragic day. Many of us remember where we were and what we were doing when we first learned of those planes flying into the towers and the Pentagon. During those days, Billy Graham's daughter Ann Graham Lotz was interviewed on that morning show that CBS has, the early show. And the country was reeling, and she was asked the question, how could God let something like this happen? Her answer was, let me read it to you. I believe God is deeply saddened by this event, just as we are. But for years, we've been telling God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, to get out of our lives. Being the gentleman he is, I believe God has calmly backed away. See, sometimes the judgment of God is not what He does so much as what He does not do. She continued by saying, How can we expect God to give us His blessing and His protection if we demand He leave us alone? How can you expect God to bless your life if you keep saying to God you don't have time for Him? Later. Another day. When God says today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. What has God not done in your life because you have been squandering the freedom to live for Jesus in this great free nation. Young people ashamed of Jesus at school. Adults ashamed of Jesus at work. Intimidated. See, what can happen to a nation can happen in our lives individually as well. Jesus say about all of this? His words in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Given the history of freedom, given the condition of courageous men and women of faith who love Jesus around the world where it's not so easy as it is for us, What do you think when you hear our Lord's words? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Luke 9, 23, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Given the backdrop of what we've talked about this morning, Jesus' words in Luke nine twenty six, when he said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, talking about the second coming. And then... Finally, Luke chapter 12. Would you read that with me in unison? Read with me. Everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now, in your own life, when you read those words, what does God say? Can I be honest a minute? There have been moments. There have been moments in my life when I felt intimidation. I felt fear. There have been moments in my life when I backed away and didn't speak up. Have you ever had any moments like that? We all have them. The good news is that our Jesus is a forgiving Jesus. He forgave Peter, right? But there's no forgiveness without repentance, without repentance. And here's the other thing. There's a big difference in having an occasional moment where you feel a twinge of that and basically living for the most part. Big difference. So, does your life, does your lifestyle, do your decisions, you're witnessing, yeah, you're witnessing, does it reflect someone who says, Thank you, Jesus, for freedom? that I have in my relationship with you and thank you for the freedom I have in this country and I'm going to use it to share the gospel. I'm going to use it to expand the kingdom. I'm going to use it to do your work and to obey your word. Or does your life reflect someone who is squandering this blessed privilege, who is squandering this incredible freedom? What does your life reflect? here's another question. What do you want it to reflect? Will you have the boldness and the faith and the courage filled with the Holy Spirit of God to live as someone who's not ashamed, that your lifeguard walks on water, that you'll wear His colors in your actions and on your words just like you wear the colors of Big Blue or the Gamecocks or the Tigers or any other school? Will you wear His colors? Colors in your daily life. Will you? We're free to do it. We're free to do it. Aren't we, choir? We're free to do it. You're free to do it. No reason to be intimidated. Don't squander your freedom. Live for the Lord. Live for the Lord. Live for the Lord. And don't you be ashamed of him. And don't you deny him. You live for him out there in this beautiful free country called America. All right? That's my sermon. Let's stand up for prayer.